Now, just say a wee word about uh, the prophetic meetings on Wednesday night. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. We are tracking the, the Russian bear. And many scholars and those that study Russia, I can say that the Russian bear is hungry and humiliated and he's searching for help and searching for food. And if any of you watch the news during the week, we're in very, very interesting, very serious days. And if any of you watch the news during the week, you will see you can track him right to the very heart of China. Uh, for there he met with the uh, President uh, Xi. Uh, birds of a feather flocked together. And it was interesting, very interesting, the statements that came out of that meeting. Very interesting, because both uh, men uh, together backed and praised Iran and North Korea on their missile projects. And they condemned the West. They condemned those who are um, back in uh, Korean, uh, Ukraine and they condemned the interference of America, Britain and others. So we're in very, very powerful days when these people are coming together. And I want you to read your Bible, read Ezekiel 38 and 39 and see all these countries mentioned in the scriptures that was penned by Ezekiel 2,600 years ago, Iran, Turkey, and Syria, all Muslims, are moving into Syria, into Damascus, next door to Israel, ready to plan an attack upon Israel. Psalm 83 tells us that they're gathered there to destroy Israel, to wipe them out, to cast them into the sea. But it's God that's drawn them with hooks through their jaws and he's drawn them in to destroy them. That's the scriptures we're working with on these Wednesday nights and they're momentous and they're before our eyes and uh, we need to know them and we need to understand and we need to realize that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. So I ask you to bring your Bible and come along and meet with us on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, please, for just for the purpose of preaching the word and uh, educating us uh, for the need of prayer and seeking God in these last days of time. Those are all the announcements. We make them subject to the will of the Lord. We're turning to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, or 2, Ephesians chapter 2, and verse 1.
and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kingdom towards, toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. As I did last Lord's Day morning, I am preaching from a text. And oh, what a wonderful, powerful, and timely text it is. It's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Now many are the different facets that dazzle and shine from this precious jewel. Some years ago on Sunday nights I preached a series on lights from old lamps. This is light from an old lamp. In fact, it covers the whole ambit of life and death. Encapsulated in these verses is the whole gospel story. Now, doing what I'm good at doing best, things back to front, we're going to examine this text back to front. And I want you to gaze upon <clears throat> this morning, for God has given me words for you. I want you to gaze upon chapter 2 and verse 1, this text. Taking it from the back to the front, we see there's sins in the text. Then there's death in the text. And then there's life in the text. He has quickened us. Now let me go again with the text. Keep watching it. There's the people in the text. You, that he's speaking to the Ephesians and speaking to us. There's the person in the text. You hath he quickened. And there's the power in the text quickened and brought to life. Now don't worry this morning 
There's not going to be a six-pointed sermon. I'm just taking two of these, the last two or the first two, whatever way you want to call them. Sin and death. Sin and death. Now both these biblical doctrines have three dimensions to them. There's three kinds of death and there are three kinds of sin. There are many kinds of sin, but there are three kinds of sin or the way we deal with sin that I want to look at. I want to just briefly touch the death element and then close our meeting with what I'm going to say about the sin element. The first type of death is known to us all and some of you have suffered it in the past weeks and uh, we'll see it again before long. Physical death. That's the separation of the soul from the body. For the believer is absent from the body, present with the Lord. For the unbeliever is absent from the body and present in hell. The soul departs and the body remains. You can bury it or incinerate it or dump it out in the sea. You do what you like with it. It's only the remains. It's all that's left. The first one, the soul of the believer moves up and into the presence of God at the moment of death. The soul of the sinner moves down and out into outer darkness the moment that they die into hell itself. One that's carried up is carried up by angels. The one that's carried down is carried down by demons. Who will your pallbearers be when it comes to your soul? Have you ever thought of that this morning? Will you be drawn up and moved up and escorted right into the glory by the angels? Or will the demons take you down laughing and mocking and taking you down into hell itself? Who will your pallbearers be? Now one of the most favorite texts and, uh, and messages on death is in Psalm 23 where we we sing and talk about, yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death. Let me tell you that it's the longest valley in the world. Adam and Eve were the first to go down into it. And millions and millions have followed them down into that valley and they're still going down into it as I speak this morning. There's no ending to the valley of death. And you could be the next to step into it. Physical death. The second death is spiritual death. What Paul's speaking about here in Ephesians chapter 2. The soul that's cut off from God. The soul that is uh, cut away from God. You hath he brought to life. That's every believer in this meeting this morning. You hath he brought to life who were spiritually dead in trespass and in sin. You're as dead this morning if you're not saved and you're alive this morning with life, with life, abundant life. When you're quickened by the power of the Holy Ghost and born again and saved, you're alive in Jesus Christ. That's a mighty thing and you'll live forever. 
But if you're not this morning, you're dead in trespass and in sin. You're as dead as the man in the graveyard. You're as dead as the man in that hearse that passed you in the car the other day. You're dead in sin. It's an awful state to be as a sinner, to be dead in trespass and in sin. And that's the way it is, because in sin did my mother conceive me, David said. You're not a sinner because you're sin. You're a sinner because you're born in sin. And so, my friends, this morning you take heed as I go down this text. You hath he brought to life. It's a wonderful thing to be saved this morning. It's a wonderful thing to have a date and a time when you were changed and transformed and regenerated from the powers of darkness into the powers of light. That past condition, my friend, that, you're, that, that, that you were in was an awful condition to be in. In times past, you walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. But let me say this as I go on. Whether it's spiritual death or physical death, nobody wants to claim it. You know, this thought came to me during the week. People don't mind admitting that they're sick. If you're a Christian this morning and you're backslidden and you're carnal and you're cold, and no boy, you don't want to admit it. If you're here this morning and you're sin and you're not saved, it's very hard to get you to admit it. And, and if people are sick, they don't mind saying, well, I have cancer or I have coronaries or I have COVID or I have something else. But oh, to get them to say, I'm dead. For you to say, a sinner, this morning, I'm dead and trespass and sin and I want life and I want it now, that's very hard for you to say. Most people will tell you that they're sick. Some will not. I was going to, I had a meeting in Fermanagh some years ago and I got out of the car and when I was closing the car door saw another man and his wife getting out I knew him hadn't seen him for years and years I heard that he was sick I heard that he was sick and so I drew up alongside him and and I said to him I said uh, I said uh, I heard you haven't been well are you alright now do you know what he said to me he says, I don't disclose my medical records. So never everybody will tell you that they're sick. But nobody will tell you that they're dead. Dead. We don't like that word dead. We try to cover it up in every way that we can, but we don't like death. We run from death. We, there's something, something different about a dead dog or a dead cat. We, there's something about death that we don't like. Don't like it. But the word of God tells us that we have to face it. You must face death. Jesus says Lazarus is dead. The father said this my son was dead. Jairus' daughter they said thy daughter is dead. Physical death. Spiritual death. And eternal death is the third death. And I pray to God that nobody listened to me will encounter this death. Whosoever name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. It's not the death of the soul, for the soul never dies. It's the death of life. Life is over and it's too late. No hope. 
turned on the news very early this morning on the radio. And the first thing I heard, the child is dead. The wee Moroccan five-year-old that was out of the well with the father. The father says, I took my eyes up and just for a few minutes and down into the well, the wee fellow went away down into the heart of the earth. They spent millions in that from Tuesday to now trying to get him out. Cameras, diggers, everything that they could get, all sorts of equipment. They got him, they photographed him, they showed him, they showed the wee fella away down there and they heard him crying, crying, get me out! That's what you'll be doing in hell, my friend. only thing is, you'll never die. And the flames will never go out and the pain will never stop. And it's too late because there's a great gulf fix and we can't get you out. The child is dead. Oh, what, what thrilling news. Dead. There are three kinds of sin. Thousands of kinds of sin. But there's three ways we can deal with sin. And I'm not speaking about original sin, the sin that we're born in. I'm not speaking about that because there's only one way to deal with that and that's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. There's only one way to deal with sin in your life, my friend, is to confess it. Justified through faith, you'll have forgiveness of sins and redemption through his blood. But what I mean this, and this is the bit of my message this morning that's heavy on my heart. What I mean is this. When we commit sin and we fall short of God's glory, because that's what sin is. It's missing the mark. It's falling short. We can never get Never get to the target. It's missing the mark. When we sin and break God's law and transgress, immediately two things happen. First of all, the Spirit of God convicts and the conscience operates. Now you listen to me this morning. You know what I'm speaking about this morning. When you did something for the first time or said something for the first time or went somewhere for the first time, you know, maybe in the broad light of day you were ashamed of it. Did you ever say something and do something or go somewhere? That afterwards you were ashamed of it. Embarrassed. Indeed, even maybe remorseful. And maybe there's some of you here just now this morning sitting, listening to me here and elsewhere this morning and you were at something last night. And you were at something during the week that has passed. And you have been at something in days gone by. 
when you know very well from your blessed conscience and the Spirit of God that you were convicted of it. That's the first thing, conviction. But I tell you, it's a wonderful thing. And whether you're saved or whether you're unsaved this morning, the call is coming from this pulpit to you to forsake and repent and confess and flee when the Spirit of God speaking to you. Now you just turn over in your mind what I'm saying. And as you sit in this meeting this morning and listen to me this morning, there'll be things, because you, the Spirit of God's here this morning, there'll be things in your life and in your mind and in your heart and in your home and in your family and in behind the closed doors, there'll be things that'll be coming up in your mind. And not God speaking to you about them again. Do you feel unclean this morning? Do you feel ashamed? Defiled? Well, if you do, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Because I'm going on to show you this morning that you can go beyond that. God in his mercy and his grace. Listen, young man, young woman this morning, older man, older woman this morning. God in his mercy and his grace this morning, he's red flagging something. He's red flagging something. And it may be for the last time now. In the richness of his mercy that we have read about in this text, and the greatness of his love. He's speaking into your soul again. Psalmist could say, shame has covered my face. This is what happened to Adam and Eve. That's why they fled behind the trees in the garden and says, I'm a, I, I was afraid and I fled because Realize that there's shame. There was shameful before God. I heard the voice in the garden. Adam said, and I was afraid. Are you afraid this morning? Are you afraid this morning that, that you're found out? And if you're a man or a woman enough, you'll bow the head and you'll admit that man speaking to me this morning because I was and I am doing things I shouldn't do. Don't you trifle with truth. Don't trifle with truth. Old King Saul was man enough at one stage to say, I have sinned and I played the fool. Have you said that yet? David could say in Psalm 51, I have knowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Boy, it's an awful thing that God red flags sin day after day 
And time after time, oh, there'll be times that everything will be well and you'll be laughing and smiling, but you'll come into a meeting like this and you'll listen to the tape and you'll hear it again. My sins are ever before me. Even old Felix, a pagan Roman governor who was godless and murdering, I tell you, he shook in the presence of God when righteousness was preached. In John's Gospel, chapter 8, they dragged a poor woman and the Pharisees early in the morning to the feet of Jesus and say she should be stoned to death. We found her in adultery. Our Lord Jesus reached down with his finger and he wrote on the ground and the word of God says, being convicted in their own conscience, they went out one by one. I always would maintain that it was one of themselves that was at it. If we don't listen to the voice of God this morning, if you don't listen to the word of God this morning that he gave me in the night hours, if you don't listen to this word this morning, the voice of God to your conscience, the Spirit of God speaking to you, and you go on rejecting and you go on rebelling and you go on sinning, and I'm not only speaking to the sinners, I'm speaking to backsliders this morning, and I'm speaking to disobedient Christians this morning who wouldn't go down into this tank for God. Shamed of them. You can do all you like behind the scenes. Obey him. Obey him. Because anything else you do doesn't cut any ice for him if you disobey him. The same with the table, let me tell you. And I know many of you can't stay for the table for your reasons. If the Holy Spirit is speaking into your heart or into your soul this morning and showing you your thing about walking with Jesus and a soldier of the cross and all that, well, obey him. If you love me, you'll obey me and keep my commandments. For if we go on like this, if we go on doing this, if we go on sinning against light, if we go on disobeying our conscience, if we go on, the next thing is this, and this is the next thing about sin I want to say, we go from conviction to deception. Because Hebrews tells us we're hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We go from conviction to deception. The same sun that hardens the clay melts the child's lollipop. There's a process going on now in your heart. You either accept it or you reject it. You either say, I will not have this man to rule over me. I will not obey what this man's saying this morning. I will not do what he's saying this morning. I know way down in my heart that he's right, but I'm not going to do it while you bear the consequences of it. Because Paul says, the thing that will happen is you'll wax worse and worse. A continual rejection and rebelling leads now to the final stage, the final one that I want to close with. And you can say to me this morning, sure, there'd be nothing beyond that. There'd be nothing beyond a man or a woman rebelling and disobeying against God 
and going on in their sin and going on in their sin and not doing what God says to them and loving their sin and carrying on with their sin. You say there's nothing beyond that. I tell you there's something beyond it. And let me tell you what's more. It's across our nation, across our province, and across our churches. You hear me this morning. You listen this morning. Do you know what it is? Do you know this third part of sin? It's not conviction. If you go past the conviction, you come into deception and you're deceived. What's the next thing? Listen to these two words this morning. Moral perversion. The Isaiah 5 and 2 scenario. Listen to it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That's the ultimate sin. That's the ultimate sin of iniquity. And it's the sin that brings down the wrath of God upon a nation, upon a people, upon a church. Because you've gone a step too far. We have sunk down into it in our nation. We have sunk down into it in our province. We're calling good evil and evil good. What would have started off with conviction in lives and homes and families and in the nation. We have sinned so much against light now. And we call it the evil good and the good evil. The only thing that will remedy this is a Holy Ghost revival. Nothing short of it. Unless God opens the windows of heaven, we're not going to heal our nation or heal our land. For we've gone too far. We're way beyond conviction. We've gone past the deception and we're into perversion. The Isaiah 5, read it, context, where the prophet is telling the nation of Judah why he has forsaken them and why he has brought them into bondage. Here's what he says, why I brought you into bondage. This is why I've forsaken you. Because you have called good evil, darkness light, and light darkness, and bitter sweet, and sweet bitter. And that's what's going on across our nation and our province. And let me emphasize again, in many of our churches, This all took place and started really in the, what we call the swinging 60s. The new morality age. 1967 when the abortion act came in. 
They tell us there's nothing evil about killing a child in the womb. The fact they say that it's good for the child and it's good for the mother and it's good for society. Let me tell you what it is this morning. It is evil and it's murder. And the blood is on the hands of our government and they're paying for it this morning. And the, and the blood is on the hands of the politicians of Stormont that backed it this morning. Colin murder e good when it's evil. They've crossed the line. Woe to them, Isaiah says, that call evil good and good evil. Number two, woe to them that call fornication good and good evil. There's no need to get married now, they tell us. Just as you go in to take the car out, take her for a drive and take her for a day. See how you get on. And we, the government, will facilitate you with houses, with maternity leave, with allowances. And I read somewhere the other day, that the morning after pill has been reduced now to £10. You can't murder a child now for £10. Judas done better than that when he sold the Lord Jesus. Murder for £10. That's the day and age that we're living in. That's where sin has brought us to as Isaiah said, it's a cart rope, but drawn with the cart rope. And then they tell us the sodomy. Same sex marriage is good. And transgenderism is good. Well, I ask you to read Romans chapter 1 again sometime when you get a moment. Because Paul tells us that the wrath of God has revealed from heaven because, because what? And you notice the number of times he used natural, the natural affection in Romans 1. Vile affections. They've changed the natural affection of man with man and woman with woman. It's to do with nature. And there's the woe of God upon it this morning. And they say now it's good. And educate our children with it. Tell them that it's natural. Nothing natural about it. It's ungodly and immoral and abominable. And what about adultery? Oh, it's a laughing matter now, you know. It's a laughing matter. The Word of God says that all adulterers will be cast into the lake of fire. And let me hit also another thing that's calling good and good evil and evil good, and that's divorce. God hates it. You come for the word this morning. This is the word of God. 
We're talking about what God hates. We're talking about good and evil and evil good. We're talking about how far we have got down the line in sin, in sin in our nation, in our land, and in our church that I'll tell you in a minute about. And Isaiah 5 also says, Woe to the mighty that take strong drink. The very police is in the heart of government. The very police are in number 10, investigating a drunken culture, reveling and carousing in drunkenness in the seat of government when people were dying, women in this, daughters in this meeting this morning who sat in the car park in the hospital up there in the cold and the frost and couldn't see their mother when they were dying. Woe to them, the mighty, they take the strong drink. What about the so-called church? Oh, there's nothing wrong with tampering with the Scriptures. It's good to tinker and tamper with the Word and take out the verses of the blood and redemption and hell. It makes it easier and nicer for the people to understand. We don't want a, a slaughterhouse gospel so they take out all the things of the blood. Now they're saying we have to call him God or Father, we have to call him Mother, so the Scripture's out and Bible's out to do that. I tell you, it's an abomination. For any man that adds to or takes away from this book, God shall add the plagues that are written in this book upon him. And what about the apostates and what about the ecumenists? Oh, it's good to say, it's good now to say, we need to get in with the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons and the Catholics and the Muslims and we all need to meet together. And some of the Presbyterians and some of the Anglicans and some of the Baptists even, some of them, we need to meet together. I'm saying some of them, we need to meet together. We need to come together and let, 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 let the Pope head the church and we'll be all one and we'll all sing and we'll all laugh, we'll not. Drank apostasy. And we need to stand against it in these last days. And whatever years I have left, I'll stand for the truth of this old word. I'll stand for what the apostles, the, 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 the martyrs and the reformers stood for. It's Babylonish. I'm glad I'm separated this morning. I'm glad I've no tag hanging over this house this morning. There's nothing good about it, my friend. Absolutely nothing. It's good, evil, and evil, good. That's where we have come to. That's where we have come to in the church because we have sinned against light. We were once convicted and we never done anything about it. Then we come deceived and deceived and we went on doing it and we didn't have any conviction. You go on this morning doing things that you used, used to convict you one time but they don't convict you anymore. They don't annoy you anymore. You don't feel unclean and impure and defiled anymore after doing it. You keep on doing it. And then you go on to this stage where you say there's nothing wrong with it. And I trust that the Holy Ghost will pierce your heart and soul this morning. 
I'll tell you what is good this morning. Tell you what, it's good to be here this morning. It's good to be under the word of God this morning. It's good to be with people of same mind this morning. It was good for Mary to sit at the feet of the master. It's good to sit at his feet, you know. It's good to let him choose the path of life for us. It's good when he hits us with conviction and our conscience hits us. Blessed conscience, blessed Holy Spirit that would follow a man or woman and tell them, listen, this is wrong. It is good to hold fast to that which is good and abstain from all appearance of evil and flee from every youthful lust. Be of good cheer this morning. Your sins are forgiven. Good to be saved. It's good, my friend, that Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross as he hung there with the thorns battered down him on his back Striped like a, like a ploughed field and every bone in his body out of joint. It is good, my friend, that there on that cross when he cried it is finished, that he destroyed death and sin and hell. That's a good thing. Blessed Savior this morning. Blessed, lovely Jesus this morning that died to take away my sin. Why, I remember the night that he convicted me. Oh, he convicted me many times. And I didn't know it. But oh, I remember the night he drove the arrow into my soul that morning on the shores of Loch Erin when the ducks were quacking in the bay and the cars were going through to Donegal and sitting alone in a wee farmhouse. God dealt with me. And I'm glad that I responded that next morning. I'm glad that I bowed the knee. I'm glad I didn't let it go on and on. And I'm glad that time after time over the years he has convicted me of sin and things that I've said and things that I've done and places that I had been. And in his mercy and his grace I was able to repent. But your act's not good this morning. And don't you try to make it good. Don't you listen to the world. The flesh of the devil will tell you there's nothing wrong with it. There's plenty wrong with it. Whether it's in behind closed doors or in your office when no man sees you. The Holy Ghost sees you. And he puts the dagger in again. The sword, the two-edged sword going in this morning. There's two edges on it because one edge is grace and one is judgment. He needs to wound us. Twist it. You know what it's like to have the sword of conviction twisted? Like Manasseh into the thorn bushes. Everywhere he turned, there was thorns stuck on him until he repented. May God speak to you, sinner, 
backslider this morning, may God speak to you every turn of the wheel, every waking moment, every step that you take. May that sin and sins come before you until you fall at the feet of Jesus and the blood will cleanse you from all sins. And what you uncover, the blood will cover. Will you come this morning? Will you be a man or a woman or a backslider this morning that says, I have enough of this now? Or a Christian this morning, I've been disobedient long enough. The Holy Ghost has spoken to me this morning and I'm going to obey him. Because if you don't, the next time I'll be talking to you, you'll say, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. And maybe that's where many of are now. Let us pray. Oh God, our Father, sin is an awful, awful, awful business. If it were not, Lord, if it were not such an awful, awful, deceptive, delusive, damnable thing, you'd have never had to go to Calvary. Lord, thank you for the cross this morning. Nothing else could deal with it, Lord. Nothing but the blood. The blood, the blood, the lamb, the lamb, the dying lamb. Hallelujah this morning. Hallelujah for ever saving us and keeping us and blessing us. For pulling the ropes on us along the road of life. for nudging us and gently speaking to us and saying to us from behind the voice would come turn back this is the way walk in oh God this morning I don't know who will listen to this message. But I have unburdened my soul, Father. I'll leave it with thee. Have thine own way. For Christ's sake. Amen.